Hey, Sarasota, it's Bob. So it's been a wonderful grind over the past 18 months. We've had some fabulous guests. We've produced over 150 episodes. and We've had over 10,000 listens from you wonderful folks in the greater Sarasota area. It's been a lot of fun, but also it's been a lot of work. And so we've decided to take a little bit of a break until this fall. When you check out other podcasts, you're going to see that most put out a new episode only once a week. We put out two, so of course that means there's twice the work. A lot of show notes, scheduling, guests, editing, etc., etc., etc. So we've decided to take a little break for the rest of the summer and we will resume this fall. And we'll let you know. But before I sign off, can you do me a little favor? Reach out to us via Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Drop us a little note. I'd like to know more about what you want to hear when we resume in the next couple of weeks. That'd be a big help because without you, dear listener, we would not exist. As always, thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful summer, and we'll be back soon where you can listen, learn, and connect. Good morning, Sarasota. This is the Sarasota Stories Podcast. If you think about it, the internet is both wonderful and horrible. On the one hand, it's the bastion of free speech, but on the other, anyone can verbally trash someone else without retribution or consequences. So what do you do when your online reputation has been soiled unfairly or you made mistakes that seem to never go away even after you paid the price to correct them? As the saying goes, the internet never forgets. Hi, I'm your host, Bob Williams of the Sarasota Stories podcast, where you will hear from some of the most interesting people living in this wonderful town we call home. You know, I started this podcast because not only did I want to meet new people, but I also wanted to share their stories with you. I also believe to better understand the community you live in, it's a must to hear each other's stories so we can connect just a little bit deeper and appreciate how blessed we are to live here. Every Tuesday and Thursday, you'll hear from artists and authors, entrepreneurs, civic leaders, business owners, and philanthropists share who they are, how they got into their line of work, and what they're excited about right now. I'm very pleased to welcome today Adam Petrilli, founder and CEO of NetReputation.com. After launching in 2014, NetReputation skyrocketed in growth and is a four-time Inc. 5000 winner of America's fastest growing companies. They have offices in Sarasota, Florida, Kansas City, Missouri, and London, UK. In this episode, you'll learn one thing most people don't know about Adam, where the idea for his company came from, the types of cases net reputation deal with, who should give him a call, and much, much more. I'm so glad you chose to stop by today, where it is my hope you will listen, you will learn, but most importantly, connect. Adam Petrilli, founder and CEO of NetReputation.com. Welcome to the Sarasota Stories Podcast. Hey, uh, Bob. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. I'm still trying to remember how I actually came across your company because I kind of scour LinkedIn, Chamber of Commerce, and a lot of other local organizations and outlets to find interesting people. And I haven't done much in the tech industry. And I came across you guys. I thought, this is a really cool company. And as I did more and more research about what you guys do, I thought, you know, even for my own edification, I need to... Uh, have you on the show. So it's it's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. So my first question I ask all of my guests that I like to start off with is, Adam, what is one thing that most people don't know about you? 
Um, I would say that I dropped out of high school. I guess um, that was kind of a, I guess always been a secret, you know, something I wasn't really proud of. Um, but I guess as my career has progressed, I've uh, I've realized that it was the best decision that I've, I've made in a long time. I think that um, the internet particularly just moves and evolves so fast that once I decided, uh, you know, that, that I was going to work on the internet, I guess that it, it just kind of made sense and, and continual education and and I think being self-taught in, in 2022 is is really more important than um, traditional education these days. Well, it's fascinating because as we all know, a lot of Google and Facebook and a lot of the other big tech companies, they really don't care where you went to school. They don't care where you went to college anymore. It's just kind of like what you've been able to, to accomplish. And I, I guess considering the fact that you've been on the Inc. 500 list for several years now, uh, I don't think I'd be too worried about it. Not graduating, not graduating high school. So that's quite an accomplishment. Yeah, thanks, Bob. I, I think traditional education is broken, um, just because we've evolved so much now as uh, as humanity and and just technology now moves so fast that curriculums can't keep up. So you know, once they kind of create a curriculum and and, and set set that path to whatever that curriculum may be, it, it takes so long that what we're teaching kids is kind of outdated almost, like. History will always be history, obviously, but, um, you know, the real life skills and, you know, how to, to live in life, you know, current day and age, I think, you know, we got a lot of work to do there. Well, I, you know, I couldn't agree more. And as a father of three daughters and they all went to private schools, you know, from high school all the way through college, uh, I can tell you it was a, uh, it was a massive investment and I will say I have mixed reviews on it. So, there was a lot of courses that they took that I'm like, you know, really? <laughs> is this part is this part of making a round, well-rounded young woman today? But uh, so it'd be interesting to bring you back on the show and actually talk about that or actually get some educators on there. I think that'd be an interesting, um, interesting debate that we have. But I couldn't couldn't agree more with you. Well, give us give us some broad strokes, uh, you know, of your background. Uh, before you know launching net reputation you know where did you grow up in your formative years you know, how did you end up in Sarasota and, and kind of like what's your business background that allowed you to to launch net reputation yeah uh, so I grew up in Monmouth County New Jersey um, a town that was about a 45 minute train ride away from New York City um, a lot of people in the neighborhood were um, I guess it was a mix of like immigrants, just hardworking immigrants, and then highly educated people. And a lot of the highly educated people were into finance. It was like a big Wall Street neighborhood uh, community. And um, I guess uh, my father had a construction company, electrical contracting company. My grandfather had uh, his own shop. So I had a lot of entrepreneurs in my life. Then I had a great uncle who was an engineer. So you know, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then uh, kind of growing up, I, I grew up around this whole Wall Street community. And it seemed like all the Wall Street guys were just, you know, they had the biggest houses. They it just they, they were really crushing it. I guess, you know, not to date myself, but I, I entered the, the workforce around 2008. Um, so I would have graduated high school in 2004. I, I worked for my dad for a few years after high school, and then I decided I wanted to work on Wall Street. I guess it was kind of influenced from the community that 
I grew up in. So I got a little job at an investment banking firm um, in, in New Jersey called Jersey Shore Investments. I worked there for about two years and then 2008 hit and you know, Bank of America was a $3 stock, Citibank was a dollar, like the world was just coming to a complete financial collapse and I was like, right. All right, this isn't for me. Um, you know, I just, I wanted something that was steady. If I wanted to work, I didn't want to, you know, really worry about the influences from outside forces. And like, I was looking for an industry that was a little bit more, um, stable, I guess, for lack of better terminology. Then I, I discovered a company called, um, oh man, what was the name of the company? Um, Oh, I don't you're, remember. You're, Adam, Adam, you're making me feel good. At the age of 63, I do that quite a bit. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> well, so, so it obviously didn't leave an impression on you, but you well, discovered a company. But this was a good start, though. I just I was there for about five years. I, I, the name slipped on my mind right now. But basically, it was my introduction to clinical research and, and uh, contract, uh, contract research organizations contract, data studies, um, basically bringing new drugs to market. And, um, and it was kind of introduced through a friend, through a friend, uh, the, the, the office right across the street, actually, from my parents' house in Manasquan at that time. We had moved out of Homedale and moved to Manasquan. And, um, you know, I had moved back in with my parents at that time. And, and um, I had this stomach, it'll come to me later in the call. But um, That's all right. So I, I kind of got introduced to this pharmaceutical and biotechnology world, which is very, very, um, uh, very stable in a sense of even during economic times, there's still a good amount of government funding, nonprofit funding, you know, just clinical trials go on. We're always trying to, to solve disease and, 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 and life and, you know, and, and make improvements in what we call life. Right. So, um, I worked in that industry then for about six years, and I was working for a company called Cromsource um, before I moved to Sarasota. This was about eight years ago, nine years ago, and uh, Cromsource was a, a contract research organization, so we ran clinical studies for biotechnology and pharmaceutical companies that wanted to bring a new drug or device to market, and um, I had a buddy who, who had a, a timeshare in Longboat, and um, we came down here one weekend, and I was like, I'm moving here. Like, I can live anywhere <laughs> in the world right now. I work for a company that's located in Italy. I'm moving here. I don't want to live in New Jersey anymore. I'm tired of, you know, New York City. I, I just, I want to leave. Literally packed up my stuff and moved to Sarasota in like, you know, two or three weeks. Um, I was able to live anywhere, that, you know, in the country because I was pretty much a road uh, soldier at that time. I was in hotels three, four nights a week presenting a lot of in-person sales calls. Um, it was a different time, I guess, than today. But um, then after about living here for about two years, uh, you know, we came up with this idea of reputation management. And um, we kind of just went out on a whim and, uh, and launched. Um, kind of quit the other job. I had a buddy, a, a silent investor who kind of, you know, helped me kind of bridge the gap from working my, you know, W2 nine to five to, you know, now starting a company. And it's kind of all been, um, you know, lights, camera, action since then. I mean, uh, we, we kind of saw the op market opportunity by reverse engineering what other people were doing in the space. At that time, reputation.com was the big, you know, the biggest provider. 
you know, we started seeing what they were doing bad and, and what they were doing good. And, you know, how can we improve the bad and kind of relaunch something that is better and solves more problems than, than the other service offerings on the market? And, um, yeah, that was 2000 in September of 2014. And uh, so now I guess we're just, uh, I guess, going into our eighth year. We're going into our ninth year. Wow. Wow. That, and, and that's that's quite a journey there. I'll tell you what, what impressed me about uh, the research that I did was how quickly you were able to gain traction in the industry and how quickly you were able to really, you know, really become an industry leader as far as online reputation. But, you know, for our listeners, give us some of the things that net reputation does because when, when you use, I mean, self-explanatory, it's kind of like the term Sarasota stories. It's everything Sarasota. Your company is all about reputation, net reputation on the internet. And particularly in today's world, it's so easy to get online and, you know, whether it's Twitter or one of the other big media companies out there, it's, it's so easy for people to throw up, you know, all sorts of junk on there and trash a company, trash a person. Um, but it, but you guys actually have a broader reach than even that. But let's talk about the reputation aspect of it. Is you know kind of give us a give us a scenario of who would come to you and who would use your services when they're struggling with their online reputation. It's really anybody and everybody. Um, I think that anybody and everybody at this time and age that we're in. It's everything. It, there's there's various aspects of importance and, and maybe impact that it'll have, but, you know, an individual versus a brand. Um, for some people, maybe it, it won't matter as much, but um, everybody Googles everybody. I mean, before you buy a product, before you let your daughter go on a date, before you buy go to a restaurant, before you buy a car, before you do anything. And I think we went from this word of mouth referral system that I think really we were already transitioning out of that. But then when COVID hit and everybody went remote, people were forced more so than ever to go to the internet and, and do research on products and individuals or, or just do research on the internet to try to learn. And, 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 you know, I think more people than ever are self-taught, right? That's why you have people that are doing things in, in crazy short periods of time that, you know, before the internet took hundreds of years to accomplish because now we have access to, to information. Like you can figure out how to do things a lot faster these days. And, um, and I don't know, it's just, uh, it's where we are. It's crazy. Um, but you know, even an individual or a business, we have clients ranging from, uh, you know, the guy up the street to CEOs of publicly traded companies. We have uh, the corner store, and then we also have, you know, multi-billion dollar brands. It's, it, everybody Googles everybody. It's just, um, it's incredible. So most people come to us because they have a negative online. We're definitely still in a state of reactive when it comes to reputation management. And um, that's slowly transitioning. You're seeing companies now, um, you know, Fortune 500 companies now that are now building internal reputation management departments, kind of like social media management. Um, you know, social media was, you know, we, we ignored it as uh, individuals, as businesses and brands for a long time. Eventually, we all got pushed onto it. Now, you know, every company in America has some type of 
social media management, uh, you know, budget. Uh, I think reputation management is the same thing. Every company now was slowly starting to add a budget to, I guess, replace what used to be PR and traditional public relations with now a combination of PR, a combination of digital presence, a combination of anything and everything that contributes to what is your digital reputation. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we have clients uh, all over the spectrum. We The biggest differentiator between us and, and our competitors is we want to be a one-stop shop for everybody. And that's been very difficult on the team, um, on a product and training standpoint, like we're continually training, constant education, um, new products, new services, and making sure we're adapting to what we have to, you know, whatever level we need to adapt to, if we need to pivot a project, if we need more resources. And, um, but, but that's our biggest differentiator is we want to make sure that we're a one-stop shop for, for anybody and everybody. Can you give me an example without naming names or divulging anything? Because I, I know this is all about, you know, what you can and cannot do legally. But can you give me a a case study of somebody or an organization that came to you and they had a problem and then this kind of the steps that you guys went through to to correct that problem? Yeah. So common problems are white collar crimes, white collar um white collar type of like financial crimes. Um, government agency fines are another really common one for brands like FTC violations or lawsuits. Um, you know, if a company is getting sued, that will populate on their search results. Um, so that's a pretty common one too. Um, as far as the solutions, it's, it's basically like hiring a digital publicist in a sense that you have journalists that are out there, you know, you're very unique, Bob, in the sense that you're highlighting success stories. Generally speaking, if it bleeds, it leads. 90% of news, 90% of media is driven on some type of shock, horror, and fear. And I don't watch the news. I don't pay attention to the news. I don't, I haven't listened to the news in a very long time. I go to CNBC and check on global economic data. And that's about the only thing I'm concerned about. Yeah, it's just, it's too tainted these days. You can find an opinion that will support every argument and it's very hard to fact check things these days. And, um, you know, being in the industry that I'm in, uh, particularly, you know, I see it more so than anybody. Um, I just see people get targeted every day to be made out to be this terrible criminal who made, you know, some type of small mistake or, you know, a company that had an executive who did something they shouldn't have done. And now like the company is being, you know, thrown under the mud and whatever the case may be. And, and people don't realize like this costs people's jobs. Uh, you know, when these brands go through these types of crises uh, and their revenue declines, the people get laid off. It, it's, you know, reputation management is a serious thing. And, and journalists, I think soon will start to be become held accountable for their actions in a sense of there's going to start to be accountability. I will tell you, when we first got into this business, I never thought that the industry and, 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 and the First Amendment and a few other things would be taken advantage of so, so much. And I thought we would have some type of legislation by this point that kind of harnessed and, and, and held people accountable more so than they do. You know, the, the problem with the Internet is you can hide behind something. You can hide behind uh, 
you know, a user, you can hide behind an IP address. It's um, the First Amendment was for people, for speech, from from you know, freedom of speech, not really written, slanderous, hidden, you know, information that someone put online that you can't specify and you don't know who that is. It, it, that's not really how it was meant to be, I don't think. And, um, you know, we're down the slippery slope now of uh, editorial control by Twitter, editorial control by Facebook. What's the line of editorial control? What's there as a publisher? At what point do they lose Communications Decency Act, uh, you know, protection? If you're going to remove this, why don't you remove that? Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's crazy. Anybody and anybody can write anything they want about anybody. It's like with no really facts and it's always meant to be slanderous it seems and like in a, a hit piece for a lack of better terminology and and i i all you have to do is look into the arena of um of politics just to see how vicious and vitriolic it has become and i could not agree with you more it's a frustrating period of time i don't know what the outcome is going to be with that but certainly there are things to our listeners right now that, you know, if, if you're on the social media sites and you have a website and, you know, what are some things that are kind of preemptive steps that people should do to protect their reputation? So, you know, so they don't have to call you when things are out of control. Yeah. So that's a big uh, change, I guess, that we're starting to see in the, uh, in the industry and overall is we're starting to see people become proactive. Um, We've started, you know, to get more calls than ever. It all comes down to first being self-aware, right? Like, first of all, a lot of people don't even know what's out there. Um, when's the last time, you know, you Googled yourself? A lot of people are just not self-aware of what's kind of out there. I would start there. You know, I have conversations with people often and I'm like, you know, I had a, re a realtor recently. I, I searched her and I was like, hey, you know, you have a picture from like high school on there. You're like 40 years old now and like super professional, I don't think that's a good look. And she was like, oh my God, like how is, I can't believe that. How did you find that? And I'm like, it's right there. You know, I, I, I just Googled you. Like how many of your clients do you think are, are Googling you? You know, it's like a serious thing. And she's like, oh my God. So like no one even, I, I don't even think people are self-aware yet. I think it's a very small fraction of people, but you know, once you get the self-awareness down and you kind of see what's out there, you can evaluate what you have to do or what you don't have to do. Um, you know, the digital assets, the social media, it, it really all starts kind of there. LinkedIn profiles, Facebook profiles. Um, and then beyond that, the next step is kind of interviewing, doing podcasts like this, um, doing interviews, um, writing blogs, trying to position yourself as a thought leader in your industry. If you're a professional and executive, make sure you're writing content about the industry that you're in. Um, I, I write for Entrepreneur and Forbes.com a lot. Um, you know, just about marketing, about online reputation. You know, if you're a doctor, you should be writing about that. If you're in construction, you should be writing about that. You know, whatever industry you're in, you want to position yourself as a thought leader. Um, and it's definitely about being proactive. Um, we sell what's called ORM or Online Reputation Management Foundation packages, which sounds kind of, it's not, you know, the, the full solution, assuming you have a problem. It's like, hey, here's a get starter kit. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's much more affordable than our other solutions. And uh, it's for exactly that person that wants to be proactive instead of reactive. 
But, um, you know, it, it again, it, it really starts with self-awareness. Like, what's that, What's the status of everything that's out there now? Addressing the negatives and then starting to build, you know, the new digital positive and neutral assets associated with your name or your company. You know, it's, it's interesting as you were you were talking, uh, you know, a couple of things popped in my my head, which was, you know, I have a relative who, unfortunately, back in college, you know, some college kids threw a, a toilet in the college fountain. And of course, he had to go over there and sit on it. And now he was a professional. <laughs> and that photograph you know, started circulating around. So it's those types of things, stupid things that you do. Unfortunately, you know, our lives are just not, you know, are, are, they're the not private anymore. They're just the not private anymore. Yeah. The Internet doesn't forget. So like the Internet doesn't forget. You can't. It's always going to be there. And that's much different than. It's much different you know, than how we grew up to say the least, you know, yeah, it certainly you is get away with stuff. You can't really get away with stuff anymore. Nah, you can't. And, um, that's, that's the rub, you know, how do you balance your privacy together with, uh, with that aspect? So, well, what about, what about going forward then? Um, you know, technology, as you said at the beginning of the show is always changing. It's always updating. It's always going to the next great thing. What are some emerging technologies such as deep fakes that make it even more necessary to protect your, your online reputation? And, and just for our listeners, deep fakes are, well, Adam, you, you explain deep fakes. Uh, you explain that one because I think that's controversial in the sense that it, it's, I mean, uh, you explain it and what you're well, my, my understanding of deep fakes is that, is that in today's techno- technology world, um, the software is now so powerful that people can take X number of photographs of you and they can put your head on George Bush or they can put Barack Obama's head on somebody else and they can manipulate the voice. And it's really, really close that when you're watching the video that was created, it's really, really close to say, wow, did you know, did this politician really say that? Or did this CEO really say that? And, you know, it's, it's, it's really scary from my perspective because, you know, you, you know, a couple more years down the road, it's going to be spot on. And so then, you know, then, then where would we go with that? So, but, you know, maybe it's not even deep fakes. There's other, other stuff that's emerging that, that people need, need to be uh, cognizant of. Yeah, I think technology in general is like kind of heading in the bad in, in, in a crazy direction. The internet is the wild, wild west. And I definitely thought that that would have started to to have some case law and some statutes around some of it. Like some of this is trying to be combated at a state level. Um, California has come out with some things, uh, some statutes, but you know, overall it's like the internet's free. It's supposed to be a place of freedom. Um, and it's, you know, we just, it's unfortunate, I guess, that there's always going to be people that have, you know, ill intentions and, you know, they're always going to try to make something great, something not great and and scam and do things that they shouldn't do. Um, I don't know if we're going to be able to stop it. I think that kind of the direction that it's going is worse than ever. I'd say a lot of online fraud and fraud online in general is, is at an all time high. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's really scary. I think you, you got to really be self-aware and you, you have to 
use things um, on a password level. There's some um, stuff like have you been pwned to see if like your passwords have been leaked. You know, it's important to see, you know, your address information and that type of stuff is out there. Um, you know, as far as like people recreating and you can't really trust anything that you read online anymore. I mean, you really got to fact check everything you read um, because you never know. And, and facts are so easy manipulated these days that you can kind of manipulate them and, and see everyone's point of view to some degree. I don't know. It, it's a scary time. I think, uh, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, the Facebook and Twitter and, and a lot of these privacy changes that have happened recently is, is kind of a step in the right direction. Like marketing became overly granular and targeting just became really crazy. Um, I mean, a lot of that data experience, the credit bureaus, I guess, kind of started building profiles on people when, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago. And that's just kind of evolved. So I don't know. The future of technology, I'd say you're you're probably going to need a you know an online reputation management provider in your life <laughs> uh, just because there's so much. It's like you got to kind of leave it to the experts that are keeping track of it. Well, and, and that's a great segue, I guess, to my, my next question. I got a couple more questions before we let you go, Adam. But... No, I'm, I'm on your website here, which is netreputation.com, and I, I see all the different services you provide, which is content removal, reputation management, reputation monitoring, review management, branding, public relations, uh, local SEO, crisis management, PPC management, and whatnot. So for the small business owner that is, you know, talk to a small business owner that might, may need some of these services. Um, yeah. Go small ahead. Yeah, totally. So small businesses, um, we, we have a lot of local clients. We, we love working with local clients. Um, review management would be our biggest one. I think uh, consumer feedback is the most impactful content your business can have online. Making sure you have a strategy in place to incentivize and generate reviews from consumers and past clients, super important. Uh, we can help overall with Google My Business, uh, you know, obviously website stuff, search engine optimization. Everything we basically what happened was we started as a reputation management firm and now we've taken on all these clients that are in businesses and they've started asking us, hey, can you help us with that? Hey, can you do that? And obviously we do all these things really well as a small business ourselves that have given us the ability to grow 200%, you know, over the last two years. Um, we, we, we can help small businesses do anything, uh, increase their marketing, their digital presence, um, whatever, whatever and anything they need, we, we're, we're right up the street to help. Uh, but small businesses, I think, need to put a little bit more focus on, on reputation management and, and what their online presence is. I think that, you know, a lot of small businesses run on referrals. A lot of small businesses run on traffic. A lot of those sources of client acquisition are going away for small businesses. And, you know, I think the digital is, is really going to be the segue to, to the future, uh, you know, 10, 20 years for, for small business. So um, we, we have, again, a full service solution for small businesses, um, single location, multi-location, um, 10 employees, 500 employees. Very good. Very good. I also want to make a note here. I was on your private website right before we got online here, adampatrilli.com. Com. That's P-E-T-R-I-L-L-I, adampatrilli.com. And uh, I was reading about the cool aspect of 
you know, we, we all need a Wikipedia page and, and the benefits of doing that. So there's a lot of great material there on Adam's blog. And I encourage you to go either netreputation.com or to adampetrilli.com and find out more about what uh, this great company offers. It, Adam, this has really opened up my eyes uh, as to what is necessary today in this new wild, wild west of the internet. One question I'm going to ask you as we, as we uh, wind up here, before I let you go, is like, is why are you changing the way in which you're leading your company at this time? Where are you taking net reputation? I think the biggest change for us over the last two years has been this conversion to remote. Um, that's been the biggest change that, that we're still harnessing and, and, and trying to figure out. We were always a very um, had 40 or so employees in Sarasota location. And now since COVID, we've had the ability to open an office in Kansas City. And, and obviously have, we have remote employees now all over the country. As far as uh, the future, we're just trying to continue to grow. Uh, we want to continue to provide valuable services and products to our consumers and individuals. Um, and we want to continue to create jobs. Um, it's been really rewarding for us to, you know, to have the 70, 80 employees that we have now and, and, and see everyone build their career. Those that, um, you know, step up and grow with the organization, I think, is, is also really a re rewarding. So um, we, we just want to continue to grow, create jobs, gain market space um, and, and continue to build, you know, a legacy 100 year company. Well, that's a great uh, ending point for us, Adam. I will say, as a guy who dropped out of high school, I, I wish I was as smart as you are because I don't have a 60, 70 employee company, but I think you've accomplished a lot in life. I think you're a really cool uh, business that you have here. And again, I encourage our listeners, go to netreputation.com if you are at all interested in what Adam's company provides. Adam, it's been a pleasure having you on the Sarasota Stories podcast. I appreciate my listeners. And uh, let's do it again sometime in the near future. Yeah, thanks, Bob. And thanks for doing this. I think, uh, you know, as a small business, it's important to get the word out and tell your story. And, and uh, it's, it's an important job of CEOs and founders to tell your story and, you know, let everybody know that you're out there. So thanks for doing what you do too, Bob. You betcha. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Bye-bye, everyone. Thanks, Bob. Thank you so much for stopping by. I sure hope you enjoy listening to our interviews as much as we do providing them. If so, would you do me a little favor? Go to sarasotastories.co and enter in your email. That way you'll get notifications of all upcoming episodes. Also, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And remember, no matter where you go, to listen, learn, and connect. <music>